Hey everyone, just a reminder that we are recording remotely while we're quarantined, uh, so the sound might be slightly compromised, but hopefully not too bad. Enjoy! Welcome to Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting fire hose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week we begin by venting about the news, go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we'll end with something hopeful. Um, a reminder, if you're enjoying us, to rate, review, subscribe, recommend us. It helps other people find us, and we always welcome feedback or communication via our social media, FWN Podcast on Twitter and Facebook, and Feminist Without Mystique on Insta. Um, <laughs> we'll get into <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll get into it do you want to read the nice the really nice uh, review that we email that we received yeah yeah so as we say it's really really helpful for us if you rate and review us and subscribe um and tell people about us because the positive reviews or the five stars or whatever you want to give us any interaction um helps uh us go up in um search results and helps other people who might be interested discover us. Um, but we had a really great, um, email sent to us this past week that really made us feel good. Um, uh, and part of it reads, I just wanted to say, I love your podcast. I found it about a month ago when I was looking for podcast episodes on turfs and JK Rowling. And I was really moved and inspired by the two episodes that you did on that topic. It was a big deal for my friend and her kid who is trans. And he, he also goes on to say, also, I probably wouldn't have emailed at all, except I wanted to point out something I'm sure you're tired of hearing at this point, but that I got a real kick out of. I inadvertently put your Twitter, Facebook account ID, which is FWM podcast on Instagram. And of course got this. And then he hyperlinked to a very different type of Instagram page for FWM podcast on Instagram. And he said, jokingly, which I'm sure was the original concept of the show until you changed it to be feminist, progressive, and funny. Anyhow, I hope this pod lasts for a long time and thanks. So thank you so much for that. That yeah. was really warmed our hearts. Warmed our little hearty barties. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The actual, the FTM <laughs> podcast Instagram is something else. Um, <laughs> it's all about Christianity and <laughs> what, what is it? Oh yeah. Fearfully and wonderfully made is the FWM Christ family coffee. Um, <laughs> A lot of some scripture. Um, yeah. Yeah. A lot of content that, you know, is not, uh, it's not really in alignment with the. Uh, with our content. With our but, brand. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's not really our brands, but like, cool, cool. Do your thing. I didn't see any like blatantly anti-choice things on there. Yeah. It didn't just seem like hateful. Yeah. Yeah. It just seemed more like. <laughs> I made this turkey and here's a pretty picture of my favorite Bible verse and here's a, you know, meme. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, about the only thing that they have in common with 
you specifically is gel pens or an affinity for mm. gel pens. Yes. Um, yes. The, the glue, which binds us all together, <laughs> as they say, <laughs> really just binds you and Christ family coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Plenty of people are, I know. are big fans of gel pens. Okay. I just need a better way to use. I need a better way to like, <sighs> I don't know. I guess I need a bigger pen cup because I have a hundred of them and I, they're in this like, yeah, fold out thing and it's difficult to actually access them. So mm. anyway, I'll circle back when I figured that out, but yeah. circle not back high on the list. <laughs> yeah. Not high on the list there. <laughs> um. uh, and a shout out boom, boom, boom to a women's history podcast. It is women's history month. Um, it's called <laughs> Herstory on the Rocks, um, an exploration of wonderful women in history whilst drinking a themed cocktail hosted by Hufflepuff Katie and Slytherin Alley. It's a rollicking good time. And they seem about as stressed about citing their sources as we are. <laughs> <laughs> they are teasing us. Maria wrote this. They are teasing <laughs> a secret Sandra Day of God our day for their patreon supporters i always say that wrong and it sounds really fun check these gals out women of history fictional women cocktails and more check them out check them out check yeah. them out it's fun it's fun and i yeah i knew we'd you know i felt like we'd get along just from one of their recent episodes where they were like i'm pretty sure this is right i you know don't remember exactly which source and it's like oh yep that there we go tripping there. over ourselves yeah <laughs> been there i know i read it somewhere it was somewhere it's on one of these tabs and i hope i'm approximating what i read yeah anyway it's very cool, very cool. moving into some big news from the day oh, god i just am so depressed but i mean whatever i guess we should see this coming but arkansas governor asa is it Asa? Ass, Asa? I think it, yeah, Asa. I think it's ass. I think it's just ass. Ass, 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 Hutchinson. I think it's ass, Asserson. <laughs> um, the governor of Arkansas, who doesn't even, it's not even worth talking, speaking about their name, um, signed basically like a total, a near total abortion ban. Um, the legislation prohibits abortion in Arkansas unless the pregnancy poses a risk to the mother's life. Um, the bill is definitely certain to be challenged. Um, it's, uh, it's unconstitutional while Roe still stands in court um, because it definitely poses an undue burden on the woman. And we are hurtling towards the repeal of Roe so fast it makes my head spin. Um, but they it's been admitted by the lawmakers that uh, this the intent of this is to force the case to go to the Supreme Court and basically to help um, hasten the overturning of Roe v. Wade with this very conservative Supreme Court. Um, and, you know, this is one of the most restrictive measures in the U.S. at this point. It makes no exceptions for patients who are pregnant through rape or incest. Um, and yeah, the governor admitted right now it is, quote, a contradiction of the binding precedent of the U.S. Supreme Court. But the intent of the legislation is to set the stage for the Supreme Court overturning case law. So, yeah, fuck you guys. Got um, Amy Coney Barrett in there in the 6-3 majority. And uh, makes me nervous. Yeah. And it's, it's also really awful. <laughs> it's going to be. I mean, I'm yeah, I'm. It's kind of terrifying. It's also worth noting for people like um, 
that in January and February of this year, 384 anti-abortion bills were introduced and um, are making their way through state legislatures. And uh, it's just a really it's a rough time for women trying to get basic reproductive health that is actually constitutional, like (laughs) within their rights. Yeah, it's uh, (laughs) we're not we're not done. (laughs) No, no, we're not done fighting the fight, as it were. No. And it makes me I mean, it's sort of while Fox News is all whipped up over Dr. Seuss and Mr. Potato Head um, and just like the (laughs) the grave injustice (laughs) that is, you know, grave injustice (laughs) on God, I don't know, basically just Tucker Carlson um, and his bow tie collection. It's it's you know, there are real problems, lots and lots of real problems. And this one is like just one of the ones that's a five alarm fire at all times. And, you know, it's it like, who's going to want to live in Arkansas? You know, I, I'm not going to want to live anywhere where I would not be able to get an abortion. And if that becomes this country, I'm I'm out. I'm out of here. I don't want to be here. I don't want to have children in a place where they have to would have to restrict where their abortion rights would be restricted. You know, it's it's so, so offensive to me. Um, anyway, so. Yeah, it's it's, it's a big <laughs> I know you deal. It's a disagree. Yeah, <laughs> actually, I'm like, let's just like do away with abortion. <laughs> just like not make it legal. It's fine. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. It's like abortions with as we've said time and time again, abortion would still happen if you made it illegal. It would just be more dangerous. So mm-hmm. cool. If you really care about life, you don't want all these mothers dying, right? Okay, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great. Done. We figured it out. Abortion should be safe and legal. We did Wonderful. it. Boom. <sighs> Done. Solved it. <laughs> Next. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Um, fucking Meghan Markle and Harry. Um, their yeah. interview Oprah mm-hmm. holy moly bajolis wow wow um, wowie wow wowie shabowies <laughs> I watched that at five in the morning um and <laughs> you know I had my coffee but did I need it no I was riveted um can I tell oh you my my, my journey for for watching it which was no really <laughs> no <laughs> no you didn't tell me <laughs> no um Oh, I meant like, can I tell you? <laughs> oh, I thought you said, did I tell you? No, no, you can't. <laughs> no, you can't. Sorry. Anyway, so I was thinking, <laughs> of course, yes, go. I thought you, yeah. yeah thought you were um, asking if you did. So, you have it. So you should. <laughs> Basically, just that I was kind of had an inkling that it was going to be a big interview and was getting kind of excited. Like I just, it was, I don't know. I'm just as with all things in the pandemic, like it's just a weird time and a frustrating time. And I was looking forward to just kind of like 
tuning into this for two hours of what felt like going to be like, uh, you know, a juicy people article, the equivalent of that basically. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of went out of my way to get Paramount plus or CBS all access, like a free trial. Uh, I did a free trial too. I need to cancel it. I need to cancel it too, but now I need to cancel Fubo because what happened? <laughs> what happened? So I had already exhausted the CBS all access free trial on one email account from the Oscars last year. So I had to get a diff. I had to do a different email account. And when I hit CBS all access, I went, it took me to Paramount plus. And then what was unclear to me because they never do this is that the interview was not airing at the same time on the East and West coast. Like it was airing at eight Eastern and eight Pacific. So it was 5 PM Pacific. And I'd had a little wine and I was like really <laughs> stomping around being like, what? where is it? No, like, I had it all set oh, up and I was just having a you had to wait three hours. Yes. And I had already had wine and I was just oh. like, ah, oh, and super grumpy. And then I had to kind of in a tipsy little barely, like not even tipsy, but just like now I have a headache. Cause I have to use my brain to figure out Fubo and, and like cancel C- Paramount plus. And oh. I was like, but I, cause I canceled that. Cause I thought Paramount plus had like screwed me. So it was like in a rage. I was like, fuck you. But it really was just that I was at the wrong time. Anyway, <laughs> it was a journey. I know Megan Markle Damn is not hard, but has yeah. she heard about the struggle the trials and tribulations? <laughs> oh. yeah, no, I fell asleep early the night before. <laughs> like probably fell asleep at like eight the night before. So yeah, next morning I got up early and, uh, <laughs> made a little coffee and uh watched it tuned in um yeah. and we learned a lot um they're really mm-hmm. open um snaps yeah. to oprah always for her <laughs> unparalleled interviewing um <laughs> yes she she gets the info she's got she's got empathy she's oprah yeah uh, she's a she's a professional and she knows how to circle back <laughs> she knows how to circle back she's mastered it per her last email uh-huh many thanks you will answer <laughs> yeah for this yeah no she's she's really great um yeah geez lee's um where to begin lots of racism um that Megan had to deal with. I mean, which we knew. Yeah. Um, but she, so she, cause she's the first mixed race person to marry into that family. Mm-hmm. Um, and to Oprah, she was like, I thought about it because they made me think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like her son, Archie, apparently there were conversations between Harry and someone in the institution. Um, mm-hmm. Someone about, in the family, I think. Yeah. Oh, in the family. Yes. Yeah. In the family, which, yeah. Um, who, yeah, they were asked, they're basically having conversations about how dark his skin might be and what that would mean. And um, in a related uh, <laughs> issue, Archie wasn't going to be given security or a title. And that was, you know, that's the first time that that would be happening with Mm -hmm. someone in that position. And this is also the first mixed race um, person in the family. So hmm. it (laughs) seems blatantly fucking racist. Right. Like the fact that they would break protocol um, in that way uh, with this specific 
child uh, feels very suspect and Mm -hmm. not really have good reasons. Um, Yeah, while she was pregnant. Yeah, and and the subject of like unparalleled amounts of bullying, racism, like um, internationally, but specifically with the British press. Um, It, you know, to, to, to try to parse everything um, must've been so hard for her, but, but it it did seem like that, you know, (laughs) we're basically leading with what I thought, what I felt like was one of the main takeaways and most disgusting revelations from the interview, which would be the comments around um, concern over what the baby's skin color would be. Uh, It's just totally unacceptable. And she had said multiple conversations, you know? Yeah, multiple. Yeah. Um, They made sure, you know, yeah, like, I mean, we, anyone who's watched The Crown, like, has probably a good sense, a good guess of who it was. Um, I thought it was Philip. I was pretty convinced it was Philip until the morning when Oprah said that Harry wanted to emphasize that it was not the queen and it wasn't Philip, um, uh, Prince Philip, no. because like he's notoriously racist. Um, yeah, so <laughs> uh, have, would not have been the shocking choice. I wonder who it was. Yeah. I mean, I think people like, it's really interesting to hear the discussions between whether or not people think it's Charles or William, because since both of those relationships are so frayed now, um, but yeah, pretty gross, pretty gross. Um, can't imagine being Meghan Markle and like kind of just the betrayal of that too. I mean, she said her biggest regret was feeling was believing them when they said she would be protected. Um, yeah. And she was protecting whoever said that by not saying who said it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, which is just like, so very classy of her. I don't know yeah. that I would do the same thing. Right. <laughs> right. Um, pivoting just because not name from naming names to name from not naming names to naming names. Um, naming names. I did think it was really interesting. Um, for to get kind of t- to the bottom of the controversy with Kate and the flower girls dresses and who made yes. me cry. <laughs> like <laughs> that's interesting to me. I mean, it, it had been really frustrating to see the media basically pit the two women against each other. And I really mm-hmm. was really despising that, that like setup. Um, but I did find it really interesting that it was like the reverse of what had been put out there. And if I were Kate and I don't necessarily blame her for not speaking out, but I just, because, because of what Megan said, basically that both of them didn't really have power or were not imbued with the like authority or the permission structure to speak out on this, but I would find it mortifying and not, I'm not sure how I would be able to kind of like walk around every day, knowing that the narrative was so the opposite of what was getting, you know, someone else was getting flayed for something that was my like bad behavior. No. Yeah. It's like the, the story was that Megan made Kate cry over flower girl dresses, but it was the reverse that uh, Kate made Megan cry over because of, you know, a discussion. Yeah. (laughs) Something went awry. Um, Yeah. And it's at the time it was one of the many things the media was just like, you know, being cruel to Meghan Markle about um, and siding with Kate when in this case it was just like a complete fabrication to the point where the opposite was true mm-hmm. you know and we've mentioned some of the other like ways in which in past episodes in which the media has done this but like when 
the difference between them cradling their baby bumps and how that's portrayed. And Kate's like cradling her bump and Megan can't keep her hands off her bump for pride or vanity. And then it's like the avocado thing where it's like, oh, yeah. Kate's eating av- like eating avocados to keep healthy mm, avocado toast. And with Megan, it's like golfing down a fruit linked to water shortages, deforestation and environmental devastation. Like it would be like, funny if it was what? like real oh my god like that it's just so it makes it just like so fucking blatant because it's not like an issue or it's like oh you can see like spin that one way or another it's like cradling your baby pump or eating an avocado like oh yeah just yeah, really not being subtle about it at all and like as megan said uh you know first of all i think she she did she presented it in, I think, probably what's the most flattering light for Kate, which was, look, she apologized. I've forgiven her. She wrote me a note, gave me some flowers. Like she really, you know, we are on good terms, you know, we're, we're okay. Um, and I think she'd want the record corrected, which I, I would hope she would. Um, but to, to say that the firm and this, this institution of the monarchy basically was refusing to help her in so many ways because they saw they were not able to basically or unwilling to distinguish between, as Megan said, like rudeness and racism, like people, you know, probably the worst things that Kate Middleton had to endure was like being called weighty Katie, like this idea that she was waiting for William and like just couldn't wait to get married. And like, you know, so it was like, Ooh, she's waiting, waiting around. Ooh, <laughs> like, hateful. <yeah. laughs> like, weighty Katie. Like that's not really um, the same as like, and like there are articles, you know, for instance, I didn't know about this one until recently, but um you know, there was an uh, article in the UK, UK press where they were talking about Megan in a derogatory way. And like the headline was like, why do I have a niggling feeling, you know? And it's just was kind of uh, like, you're using that for a reason, you know? Disgusting. Um, so yeah, there was a whole lot of that. Um, what I think was probably the crux of the crux of the interview aside, you know, aside from probably the, the, the racism directed at her unborn child, um, I mean, and her, but like, God, aside from that, um, I think one of the biggest things was the focus on Megan's mental health deterioration and her, her struggles, the, the, the depth of her suffering um, when she was pregnant and right after um, and not being, you know, going, you know, what, what I found surprising was, or I don't know why I was surprised by this, but she was talking about going to try to get, to get help from HR, trying to get help checking into a facility, like trying to get help from this, from the institution and, and go through all of the normal channels and Harry doing the same thing, um, and feeling completely abandoned, um, in her, yeah. in, in this mental, in this mental health, um, moment where she suddenly found herself as she said you know not wanting to be alive anymore and really thinking like ideating um specifically about things yeah she was talking about how in four months she and this was before pandemic time she only <laughs> left the the home the place like twice in four months and this is yeah even now we still leave the house more to go to like the grocery store or whatever, or, like, you know, drive somewhere or whatever. Um, 
And that was because she said I had to lay low because I was everywhere right now, but I was nowhere. You know, I wasn't allowed yeah. to go anywhere because the tabloids and the media were just coming for her um, so hard that she was just, you know, she just had to be trapped inside this this place. And that I think is one of the big contributors to where she was at with her mental health. Um, yeah. It was, she said she never felt lonelier and obsession with how it looks and not how it feels. Um, and that picture of her and Harry at that event where like they look and she looks like gorgeous and, you know, literally uh, picture perfect. And um, she talks about how, you know, she was so, so suicidal that night and so feeling so awful that it's like if I don't go with you I'm worried like I'm just worried about being by myself you know mm -hmm. it's like and you can see the picture how tightly he's grasping her hand mm -hmm. um and I just thought that was really powerful putting that um that showing you know the other the other side of that image yeah that was really going on outside of the the sparkly dress and the spark you know um and can see it in their faces too if you know if you look in their eyes but yeah it's you know it's like you think i think she's got it all she's you know married into the royal family but she was just treated and dragged in the you know, like you had said that she she had regretted believing that the royal family was going to protect her and that they were protecting her because, you know, they could have gone on the record and against any of these like falsehoods about her mm -hmm. and they never did. They would tell lies, you know, for other members of the family, but they wouldn't go on the record to correct truths about her. Um, and then, like you said, when she needed help the most and she went to them um, to try to go to like a mental health treatment facility, basically, they were just like, nope, hands <laughs> are tied. She's gotta mm -hmm. keep doing it. Like it's so cold and like evil and just all the worst stereotypes of like the monarchy. Um, yeah. Just so unfeeling and yeah, just how do you how do you separate people, the people in those situations from the rules or the institutions? And like they could have done it. And yeah. like they didn't have to take away Archie's security and Harry's security and Megan's security. And um, it just all feels very like it just feels like the monarchy is being petty. Yeah. I mean, that was there were so many things that were just kind of flat out stunning. I realized how many assumptions I would make when I was read like articles about them when they mm -hmm. moved to Vancouver, um, Vancouver Island. Um, I just kind of assumed that they would still have security and probably had a lot of money and, mm -hmm. you know, didn't have those types of concerns. And to hear that essentially their security was removed from them. And Harry has, like, again, I get that this is a first world problem and he does too, but he has never been without security in his life. And that is just because of who, where he was born and those circumstances, but to leave them so vulnerable, so exposed, just as the pandemic is, is happening and the borders are being closed, you know, um, really seems vindictive. And, they the, the the firm does not come off looking looking well, especially when who comes to their rescue, but Tyler Perry of all people, putting them up in his home and 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 providing them with security for a few months 
while they while they got on their feet. Um, so between Tyler Perry and Diana's um, the the money that she left him, which is mm-hmm. just chilling. You know, when Harry said something along the lines of like, I think she, you know, she left me that she knew she had a feeling what what might happen. Um, you know, it, that's yeah. just heartbreaking. No, absolutely. That she, the idea that like she, this money that she left after she, you know, died from being abused and hounded by the paparazzi. Um, this money that she left is going to keep them safe and from kind of that same sort of fate, you know. It's... And that Charles would ever allow that. Like Prince Charles, uh, his father, after going through something so similar with Diana, and I, you know, I realized there was complicating stuff on his end with that. Not that I'm forgiving him for being a total piece of shit. Spoiler alert for season four of The Crown, <laughs> if you haven't gotten there. Um, but he really to be so, to lack, I mean, the, the coldness towards your child and the ability to watch, to, to, to strip them away, to approve like the removal of security there, you know, and, and not take his calls, um, in this moment when, when, you know, it, it did become clear that there was a lot of reaching out and they had said, for instance, like, you know, how it was discussed as like Megxit and this abrupt leaving and the, the palace had said something like we're surprised and this is like abrupt and we wish they had stayed or that we could have worked it out. But it was, you know, as, as Megan and Harry said, we'd been having these conversations for two years off and on. And the queen had, I thought it was interesting that the queen had invited them to Buckingham palace or to stay with her, uh, in January of 2020 before they had announced and then they were uninvited by the firm. And then the queen said, Oh, I, yep, I'm busy. Um, I forgot. And then Carrie said something along the lines of like, well, are you free any other time this week? And she was like, no. And I think that's kind of when he just, they were like, we really have to get out of here. Yeah. That's God. Awful. Awful, awful, awful. And when you, zoom out to and you remember that this week there was this there was this like PR blitz by the palace saying basically like we're going to investigate these bullying claims about Megan that are unsubstantiated from three years ago from like you know and the palace is saying we're going to investigate this while also completely ignoring no consequences for the creepy and extremely guilty Prince Andrew, who has been linked mm-hmm. to Epstein and sex trafficking and sex with minors. And he has barely stepped back from public view. He's not cooperating with the FBI like he said he would after that horrendous BBC interview, which, by the way, if you're looking for, like, another reason to be upset at the monarchy, like, go ahead and watch this bumbling, guilt-ridden interview by Prince Andrew. Such a fuck rod. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable that they would be investigating Megan, bullying by Megan, like, from years ago when they can't keep their own, you know, princes in order. Like keep your princes in order. (laughs) Maria says, keep your princes in order. Fucking (laughs) princes in order. Uh. Yeah, she was she was done wrong. It's I am glad that there is sort of seems like there's being like a reckoning because we have me too, you know, and we've had that gaining momentum in some ways. And I feel like there's kind of this reckoning with like how the media has treated women. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and women of color. And I feel like this is part of that. And I hope that it continues and and broadens um, and that we're having these conversations about sexism and racism and in all different uh, areas of life. And, you know, when we shine lights on things, then we can bring them out of the darkness. Yes. Move forward toward a more perfect union. (laughs) Yes, yes. Uh, You know, this was one of, (laughs) I mean... Yeah, it's something that obviously captures the interest. I mean, clock captures global interest. It was the most watched event in the U.S. of this year, and um, that wasn't a sporting event. <laughs> Caveat. Ugh. Yeah, um, if you haven't watched it, watch it. It's like and she, it's gut wrenching. Also, like not to boss over. Like it is her. Mm-hmm. It is an emotional experience, and it's yeah. Everyone should watch it and hear their their perspectives. Also, just throwing it in there, too, they did not get paid for this interview. They didn't see the questions before. They weren't. Oprah got paid. <laughs> Oprah got paid $7 million from CBS, a $1 million from ITV, and then other international deals. Like, she got it. She mm-hmm. got it. Uh, but really, really interesting also, shout out to Megan for being a feminist, like when she was 12 years old. And like, if you haven't checked out that special on like Nick, Nick kids from like 1990 or whatever, <laughs> like she, um, or 1990, early nineties, she, they did a spot on, on her because she was calling out a sexist commercial about a cleaning liquid or something. And, um, it was really cute and it's kind of like authentically who she was then and who she's always been. Also all of her, like lots of friends and coworkers sort of have like come out. So many people have come (laughs) out to defend her. Yeah. Everyone who like actually (laughs) like knows her has come out to say she's like an angel on earth. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, very, very interesting. I think it kind of took the world, took the world by storm, but it is, it is like nice to, as a little bit of a brain break to, to turn from the politics that's, you know, happening in this country and just sort of think about something else, like the issues of the modern, the monarchy in the UK. Um, Also Twitter was ablaze. It was as usual, so fun. Um, But there was like, a meme that on Twitter where they were like a picture of England trending in Massachusetts. And someone wrote historically a problem for the UK to be TBH. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And like another one was like the U S spilling tea to abolish the monarchy once again. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Boston tea party jokes. Yes. Love it. There are lots of, lots of good memes were born. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Definitely good memes have been born. Yeah. It's I'm, Oh, and they announced that they're having a girl, um, yeah. which is cute. And it'll be interesting. And I'm looking forward to see, to seeing where their, their lives take them and what's that, you know, they're living out with their chickens and their dogs and yeah, living the dream. Well, not living the dream. They've had a lot to deal with, but you know, it seems <laughs> I'm hopeful that it's like, it seems like maybe a bright new horizon for them, you know? Yeah. I hope so. I and hope so. Yeah. The monarchy can cool down and her fucking dad shut the fuck up. Yeah. Oh my God. I hope they're, oh yeah. They're, they're trying to cash their checks for sure. Mm -hmm. Her dad said something like in the last couple of days, like he, 
will stop talking to the press when they start talking to him. And it's like, oh, that's an effective way. Like just threaten to continue to like shit on your daughter publicly until that sounds really healthy. Yeah. Like blackmail her into talking to you. That's yeah. really great. Great dadding. Great job. And the monarchy did the monarchy, the Buckingham palace did respond today with a statement that quote, the whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. The allegations of racism. Yeah. They said the allegations of racism um, were concerning. And while some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. So that's in fairness. That's what they said. And I just feel like it's, you know, woefully inadequate. And I do think that this probably, uh, it's without a doubt, like the most impactful interview since Diana gave that one um, to, um, I forget the guy's name. Uh, um, But since that sort of infamous Diana interview where she talked about there being three people in their marriage, um, but this probably will affect the monarchy, I think. um, Yeah. In a big way. Yeah. I hope it does. Yeah. Yeah, I can yeah. just hear the instrumental crown, the crown instrumentals under this uh, drama. <laughs> yes, I wonder if Crown's going to do enough seasons to get to Mark's. I know. Marvel. She could play herself. <laughs> oh my God. Crazy. Cash that check. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will be playing me or her daughter, depending on how much they stretch out oh, these seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm behind though. I need to catch up. Oh, so d- yeah. Anyway. We'll, we'll, we'll connect on we'll that connect later. On, we'll yeah, circle back. offline. Um, circle back there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. What an interesting mess. <laughs> what an interesting mess, the monarchy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, should we... Shall we? Move Shall along? we scurry along? <laughs> and now for We See You. All right. So a gross man who is also a pastor um, out of Malden, Missouri, uh, was preaching um, and he preached that women should remain at least participation trophies for their husbands. Um, Okay. He said, I'm not saying every woman can be the epic trophy wife of all time like Melania Trump. Um, most women can't be trophy wives like her. Maybe you're a participation trophy, but you don't need to look like a butch either. <gasps> oh, this is that this guy, but he looks like a fat slob himself. Yes, not that <laughs> being <laughs> he, yeah, he, not he that that's a... the point. <laughs> we shouldn't be doing that. But... Like, how do I? <laughs> he, yeah, if he's he's a, if he's judging people based off of weight and saying being, you know, having a larger BMI makes you less worthy of things, like he also appears to. So it's just sort of like, okay. Um, mm, but that's being, much more diplomatic. <laughs> but that being said, <laughs> all bodies are beautiful bodies, but he's a fucking asshole and he's shaming people for theirs. So if he's shaming people for theirs and can't understand you know, that he, you know, what he's immune then, you know, I mean, I guess we're not, we're not stooping to that level, but I am this evening. When they go low, we go low. Sometimes (laughs) that's the tea. Maria's seen a lot of memes about tea today. (laughs) I have. (laughs) Um, 
And he, so he was talking about how can you become a participation trophy? <laughs> oh, how can you do this for your oh, husband, um, for your leader in faith? Um, he says, but you say, how can I do that? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. Who's who asked him? Oh, no one asked him. Oh. He said, if you were sitting in my office, here's the first thing I'd say to you. And boy, I'd hate to say this weight control. Also, Praise God for makeup. It's like Bondo for dented vehicles and it's like crack filler for your drywall. Wow. Um, so again, yeah. this man is not conventionally attractive. So no, just... he's not. If, if someone were doing, you know, yeah. <laughs> he's, I, just, I mean, how, he, how dare he? You're sitting there awful being personality as well. You're an awful person. You're judging women. Anyway, I'm hijacking your Weezy. No, Continue. it's not a hijack. I love it. It's it's very infuriating. Um, uh, it's 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 just it's it's a nice reminder that <laughs> there are people with really uh, regressive views about um, gender. Yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. Uh, they're out and about. They are. And we see you, Stuart Allen Clark. Um, We see you. Crack filler for your drywall. God. Yucky. Yucky. People can wear makeup if they want to. Don't if you don't want to. Right. You know. Right. Right. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah. People should be, I mean, we should not be shaming anyone for anything, but. I do find it. it well, it's, we should shame people for something. We should be. <laughs> yes, I should clarify for, you know, appearance stuff. I mean, we all have to be just better and kinder, including definitely prominently me in this segment. Prominently. Prominently. <laughs> Not prominently. But, but it is enraging that men get away with being slovenly, like in appearance. Oh, like that show that's coming out next summer with... Oh. Um, Annie, uh, yeah, Annie Murphy. Annie Murphy. Yes. What is it called? Fuck Tim. (laughs) Like fuck you, Kevin, or something. And it's like, yeah, goes between being like a sitcom where it's like she's hot wife and he's Kevin, (laughs) and like really dark drama where she's like plotting to kill him. Um, Looks. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. Well, Kristen Cinema. Um, really just on a visceral level pissed me off this week, not only because she voted against the minimum wage, uh, portion of the COVID relief package. Um, but because of the way that she did it and then doubled down and said it was sexist to comment on her body language or physical demeanor when people were commenting about the way in which she voted thumbs down on the uh, Senate floor. So I know that hand gestures are commonplace in the Senate. Her predecessor, John McCain, very famously thumbs down. Um, but that was to prevent people's health care from being taken away. And she was voting to prevent people's minimum wage from going up. Um, 800,000 uh, people in Arizona would have really benefited from a, a raise in, in the minimum wage. Um, it's also, uh, but the, the, frustrating the frustration it's sort of like don't weaponize the concept of feminism here and call and call sexism you know cry foul in this way when your appearance was 
intentionally, I mean, I guess maybe, I don't know what your, what your, what was in your heart, but it was very clear from the body language that you were belittling the fight for, uh, the minute to raise the minimum wage. I don't know if you were just in a mood and I get that. Like sometimes you kind of do things in a way that you regret. I'm, but this is a huge progressive item trying to raise the minimum wage from like a ghastly $7 an hour or whatever. So, so far behind, um, inflation, um, trying to lift the weight, lift the floor on egregiously low wages. And, um, Kristen Cinema just didn't treat the moment with the gravity that it deserved. And I, I read a lot of people who were like, I don't care how she did it. You know, it was just bad that she did it. And she wasn't the only one. There were seven other senators, uh, Democratic senators, senators who voted against raising the minimum wage. And I get it. There were certain things about the process they didn't like. And the Senate parliamentarian said that it shouldn't be included as part of budget reconciliation. So they want to do it separately from this COVID relief package. Fine. I completely disagree. But it was really offensive, the manner in which she scooted up there and she like really cutesily put her thumbs down. And it is not sexist to point that out. Um, people were also pointing out that she had a Lululemon bag over her shoulder. And, um, you know, it just was a very unhelpful caricature of a of toxic white feminism. It was deeply disappointing. Um, and I totally understand why people saw that and felt completely sold out by her and by her, by, by what they see as like her brand of white feminism and a lot of women who are, um, claim to be Democrats and will take every progressive vote they can. And then when it comes down to it, they are super moderate and they do not help the bottom line. They're not helping. They're not helping the causes of hood feminism. They're not, um, getting us where we need to be when they hold the power. And, and she has advocated for a raise in the minimum wage many times in the past, 2006 through 2016. She's been on the record wanting to raise it. So this was a serious vote and she didn't treat it with the gravity she de- deserved and uh, the gravity that the issue deserved. And we see you. Uh, we see you. Yeah. Can we just, can we just do better by people? People need money now. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Figure out, you know, logistics of whatever. Yeah. All right. So as we've, we've heard, uh, <laughs> people can't let it go. <laughs> Dr. Mm-hmm. Seuss um, Enterprises decide to discontinue six titles. Um after consulting a panel of experts, including educators, uh, they were reviewing their catalog. And not all the works aged super well, and some of it include, <laughs> includes pretty crude racial stereotypes. Mm-hmm. Um, Mulberry Street uh, was one of the six books. Well, that's a shortened version of the title, but Mulberry Street was one of the six books uh, that they said that they would stop selling um, after they concluded that racial and ethnic stereotypes in the works are hurtful and wrong. Um, conservatives who were just as mad about who are just mad about cancel culture like a week ago are now ready to cancel Dr. Seuss Mm -hmm. and none of the like none of the beloved books that you remember from your childhood are going anywhere um the Mulberry Street one it only sold like 5,000 copies last year there are a couple McKellie Mick Elliott's Pool and The Cat's Quizzer haven't sold any copies in years. <laughs> it's 
like, what are they so mad about? You have to wonder. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're so mad. These books that they've probably never read are going to be discontinued because they need to protect what racism is that it Mm. (laughs) traditional values like racism um Mm. there's just there's no reason people place they discontinue books all the time there's still plenty of dr seuss books out there it's fine it's you know oompa loompas used to be uh in the original text i believe they were portrayed with like black skin um and then they were, you know, changed to being Oompa Loompas. But it's not uncommon and it should be done that when things are determined to be racist and fucked up, mm-hmm. that you either change them in a way that corrects the problem or you just stop, do away with it. Mm-hmm. Go, go and do better. Like we're, we got to do the things. So we see you to those people who are getting so mad about this. We see you. It's exhausting and I mean, offensive to my core that just like there are so many other things going on. And instead, Fox News is like, you would think that the gravest concern of the country is the censorship of Dr. Seuss. And it's like, God, the company itself is the one removing them, removing these titles. It's not also someone else pointed out on Twitter, like, you know, God, conservatives were like the original cancel culture people with like, we're not reading Harry Potter. We're not, you know, this is anti, you know, this is against our religion and, you know, wanting to ban a lot of books in public schools that they thought were offensive for some reason. So, you know, it's only when this is a talking point that benefits them and stirs up their base. <laughs> um, and it's not a real thing. So yeah, there's we'll such, it's so much hypocrisy. <laughs> it's so frustrating all the time. And it's yes. just like, again, with this, like, it's so annoying. It's like, every time you do this, it's not like, I'm like, Oh, it's just you. Ha ha. Silly, silly. It's just so frustrating. It gets worse. It does. It does. Yeah. Stop. It's like when you're like in a cycle where you're dating and it's really shitty. And then it's like each shitty date just makes everything worse. It's like each time you conservatives are so hypocritical and stand in the way of progress it's just like another bad date in those years yeah absolutely um (laughs) yeah well this we see you and we'll we'll get into this in a full episode at some point but it just like has to be called out that there are like across the country, more than 250 Republican introduced bills that would restrict voter access um, in future state and local elections, which is four times the number of such proposed legislation um, in the year 2020. Um, Usually if, you know, a party loses the presidency in both House, the House and Senate, you know, maybe they would try to change what they stand for, change their platform, change their talking points. Instead, they're trying to make it harder for people to vote because as uh, the lawyer for the GOP in Arizona said in a Supreme Court case last week that uh, when asked by Amy Coney Barrett why uh, they needed to curtail uh, voting rights and make more restrictions in Arizona, he said, well, because when Democrats get, when more Democrats vote, when more people vote, 
the Republicans lose. So this is like a way to even the the field. You know, he just fully said the quiet part out loud. And Amy Coney Barrett was like, okay, my time's up. Like she could not get him to stop talking fast enough. It was like, yeah, because this guy would run his mouth. Like he would just keep saying the quiet part out loud. Um, it's really, really depressing. We can specifically look at um, a measure that I think just passed today in Georgia, GOP controlled Georgia Senate, uh, where, um, SB 2241 uh, would end the right to vote by mail without having to provide an excuse. Um, it was a policy that uh, Georgia Republicans implemented in the state in 2005 because it made it easier for Republicans to vote. Um, and more than 1.3 people voted by mail in the 2020 general election in the state. So under this new bill, only people ages 65 and older who have a handful of state approved excuses would be allowed to vote by mail. Um, and just 16 other states currently require a voter to give an excuse to vote by mail. So these are, a, we're seeing a lot of restrictions all across the country in reaction to Georgia going blue, in reaction to uh, Arizona going blue. Um, and it is so anti-democratic and it is hopefully you know what will be in the arc of history the last gasp of this disgusting minority rule um being throttled by minority rule of like hateful white supremacists and awful awful people but we all have to pay attention to this and engage we cannot we cannot think that just because biden won um and there were there was some progression that this is you know that we're moving in the right direction. We really, we, we really aren't. Um, there are, um, there, there's a lot of specific targeting of black voters. Um, again, specifically in Georgia, um, they're trying to curtail early voting on Sundays, specifically in Georgia, when statistics show that like the Sundays before the election were when most black people were out voting or the higher, higher, much higher in proportion to, to white voters. Um, and it's just incredibly scary now that the, um, floodgates were opened thanks to John Roberts, um, removing key parts of the voting rights act. Um, and as, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg had said, so, uh, presciently, you know, you don't, don't remove your umbrella in the middle of a rainstorm, you know, just cause you're not getting wet. And that's what we're seeing now. Uh, so anyway, just wanted to draw everyone's attention to it. We'll get into it probably in some later episode when there's, I'm sure some more devastating statistics about how, how far we're falling down this sliding backwards, but for now, just, we see you. What, what? Um, <laughs> Elaine Chow, um, who was <laughs> running the old Department of Transpopo um, and is married to Mitch McConnell. Um, she's gross. no longer r- running that now. Pete Buttigieg is there. Yay! <laughs> yeah, improvement. <laughs> yes. Improvement to go to the boots. Um, so while she was serving as transportation secretary uh, during what was Trump? I forgot his name. That last guy, his administration, <laughs> she repeatedly used her office staff to help family members who run a shipping business that have like very extensive ties to China, apparently. Um, and that was concluded by the transportation department's inspector general in a report that they released. Um, 
on Wednesday of, this, of last week. Um, this came, so in 2019, the New York Times did a report that said that it seemed that there were some sketchy things going on and this kind of confirmed it. Um, so she committed apparently four different kinds of ethics violations um, when she repeatedly used her staff and her position of power to call in personal favors, favors, <laughs> favors. Um, <clears throat> apparently she invited family members to tie along on work trips and, you know, she wouldn't be paying for that. That would be the Department of Transportation, um, instructed Department of Transportation Public Affairs staff to help promote her dad's shipping business and market his book and book tour and edit his Wikipedia page, like Department of Transportation staff help her dad's business and book tour like manage it that's like that's not their job imagine you go to work at the department of transportation it's like this person no um apparently the report also alleges that she directed uh, staff to look into a work permit application for someone connected to her family's philanthropic foundation as well as run personal errands like send christmas ornaments to her family and ask the repair shop to expedite her request by telling them she was secretary of transportation um the only defense that's come out for all of this is um a memo so her department a department lawyer uh, kind of released a memo saying like, well, as she is her father's eldest daughter and is an Asian American, she's expected to honor her parents. And if she did not, her reputation and stature would be diminished considerably in the eyes of many Asians and Asian Americans, which is just like, we're have manipulative, tricky shit. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you guys, we're mm-hmm. not saying she, I say with my father living downstairs, like, no, we're not <laughs> saying you shouldn't honor and help your father, but like, no. there's, if she wants to help him with his book or his whatever she can, but don't have the department of transportation staff do it. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's not like if this staff isn't helping your father, he's going to like, his life's ruined. Like you can have other people help him. Right. You and Mitch McConnell have plenty of money, little grubby bitch. Yeah. Um, (laughs) You you grubby bitches. Mitch and Elaine. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we, oh, and she, reminder, yeah, she said she, when she worked as, um, Bush in Bush's labor department. She, that was the thing in 2015, she accepted 50 grand to give a five minute speech at an event hosted by a super anti-gay Iranian uh, militant group. Hmm. Um, so I just thought I'd throw that in there. Cause like, I didn't realize that she did that. Um, <laughs> she did that. Of course she's <laughs> campaigned for her husband. Yeah. He's the worst. So um, I don't know if you've heard about our feelings on Mitch McConnell. We don't like him. So anywho, Pete Buttigieg <laughs> is there now. I'm here. I've when they put him there, I was like, I'm sure he'll do great because he's just he'll figure it out. He just loves to figure stuff out. But yeah. Um, <laughs> I yeah, I'm curious what, what he's gonna get up to. Yeah, I look forward well, to it. We'll have to look into it. Yeah. Let's take a take the train to Buttigieg station, the <laughs> transportation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We see you, Elaine. We see you, Elaine. And we did see uh, Pete Buttigieg biking to work recently. That is something that I noticed. Uh, someone was like, oh, he's biking with his like security detail to work, which was cute. That was, um, of course. How cute. Mr. Mr. Pete. Um, okay. So rounding things out because yesterday was International Women's Day. And of course, yeah. some people just got it wrong. 
And one of those companies or some corporations and people, but one of those corporations was Burger King. Um, So they tweeted, women belong in the kitchen. (laughs) And then they followed it up with, if they want to, of course, yet only 20% of chefs are women. We're on a mission to change the gender ratio in the restaurant industry by empowering female employees with the opportunity to pursue a culinary career. Hashtag International Women's Day. We're proud to be launching a new scholarship program, which will help female Burger King employees pursue their culinary dreams. And it's just like, <sighs> then why did you start with this fucking offensive joke? I mean... You're a corporate account. Women belong in the kitchen. By the way, that was the full tweet. And then like the replies was like, oh, also here's our program. Um, No, no, that's not the best way to take on gender disparity within the restaurant industry. I'm sorry. Um, They also didn't apologize immediately when everyone was like, hey, maybe this sucks and you should take it down. It's not looking like snappy satire. It's looking shitty. Yeah. And I think like, you know, we all know how to take a joke. This wasn't funny and it was just a huge miss. Um, So they rejected the idea of taking down their tweet. They said, why would we delete a tweet that's drawing attention to a huge lack of female representation in our industry? We thought you'd be on board with this as well. We've launched a scholarship to help give more of our female employees a chance to pursue a culinary career. It's like, yeah, we like that part. But. Yeah. Why don't you just tweet that out, you fucking idiots? Like, I get that maybe like in the idea of as, of course, because I did reply, even though I try not to reply to these things just because it's like, why am I getting involved? But, uh, you know, I said like, maybe take this down. It's offensive. I get you're trying to make a joke, but don't. And of course, a bunch of men tried to explain to me that it was a joke. And um, someone was like, oh, it was a joke. Oh, a joke. That's that. Yeah. Um, one guy was like, maybe read guerrilla marketing. Like, that's what, you know, you're just like, good job playing into what they want you to play into. And like, you're responding and giving it air. And it's like, okay. But I just kind of have to add to the chorus of people being like, this is not a funny joke. I, you know, try to in moderation, get back to people. Um, but yeah, so to, and then they did finally take it down. They said, we hear you. We got our initial tweet wrong and we're sorry. <laughs> it's like, but after the whole day of having it up there and being like, no, this is funny. This is a funny joke and haha hashtag international women's day. So Burger King, you know, the whole thing got your, your culinary scholarship program is good. Just don't tweet it out. Like, can you just help yourself? Don't tweet it out by, by beginning with saying women belong in the kitchen. No, it's 2021. That is stupid, ignorant, ass backwards. We're like literally losing our reproductive rights as I speak and voting rights. So like, just don't. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I, maybe if we fast forward like 1000 years and there are nine women on the Supreme court and everyone can do whatever they want with their bodies and their reproductive health is like a part of the constitution, you know, maybe we'll have enough space to be like, ha ha, you know, but not until then, sirs, (laughs) sirs. So Burger King, we see you. Happy International Women's Day. Rethink it. (laughs) Rethink it. All right. Well, you found the good thing. Yes. So this was initially shouted out. I remember where I heard it. It was on Pod Save uh, the People last week. Um, So there is an Amazon scientist, uh, Nashley Cephas, who is... 
has a 25, uh, she got $25 million from Amazon um, for a plan to turn 12 ab abandoned acres in Jackson, Mississippi, which is her hometown, into a tech hub. Using her contacts at Amazon, she's a, she's a AI researcher and wants to transform her hometown into a thriving center for tech entrepreneurs. Um, she's 35 and she's wanted to go back to her hometown and lift people up there and, uh, help bring, um, an innovative in, or in, like innovation tech hub, uh, to this space. And it is going to help a lot of local businesses. And, um, apparently it was hard for her to get the loans that, um, she needed for this, but, uh, it's just very, I think it's really exciting. It's um, something that, you know, I hope to see more of just like with people who, I hope we're giving, because ultimately it feels like $25 is really, $25, $25 million in Amazon's, like in the grand scheme of things in terms of a, a, a loan or a grant is just like not that much money to them and the amount of good that it could do turning like 12 acres into of abandoned lots into a tech hub. I mean, imagine what like that type of a quote unquote micro loan. I mean, in their, by their scheme of things could do in all of these smaller, small to medium sized towns and cities across the country. So, um, it was just an inspiring kind of thing, story to read, um, inc.com. Uh, the, the article is called uh, Inside This Amazon Scientist's $25 million Plan to Turn 12 Abandoned Acres in Jackson, Mississippi into a tech hub um, and under conscious leadership. So yeah, pretty cool. Rest of your uh, 